Good morning, and, and as we've said before, welcome to Hallmark. We are so excited that you've chosen uh, to worship with us, whether in person or online. Thank you so much for checking us out this morning. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Carlos. I get the privilege to not only bring God's word this morning, but also uh, serve as a student pastor here. And one of the things that I love, one of the many things that I love about Hallmark is our, our emphasis and our love for our next generation. And this isn't just uh, through our pastor. This isn't just through our leadership. Uh, it's through our church. You guys have put such an emphasis into our kids, into our students, into our young adults. And one of the things that I love about Pastor John is that he has empowered myself as well as um, Allison, our children's director, and our family ministries to be able to continue the, the mission of the church, to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And in our context, it's to lead kids and students to find and follow Jesus. And through that trust and empowerment, we, we're looking for different ways to accomplish that, but also to equip our families. We know that on a good, good week, we might have your kids for maybe two, three hours a week. That, that, that parents, that families are the true disciple makers in the family. And so we're looking for ways to accomplish that. One of the ways is on your, when, when you're checking in your kids, we, we have a little, right across, we have a family resource center. It, it, it's all free. It, it's to equip you and help you guide your kids and students. But one of the things that I love that uh, Allison, our children's director, does is um, she has a class called the New Believers class. And this is a class to allow um, kids that have questions, that have recently placed their faith in Jesus, and, and kind of walks them through salvation and the steps following salvation, steps of obedience. But it also helps the parents and teaches them how to disciple. And so before we continue, we wanted to take some time to, to celebrate and rejoice with two kids and their family. So here is our two latest graduates, Lainey Harris and Divine Rakundo. Would you give it up for them and their families? They are our recent graduates, and if you uh, have questions or maybe you want your kid to go through this class, um, definitely go see Allison in our family center after the service. Um, she can tell you a little bit more information, but also let you know when the next class will start. But before we go forward, um, I, I kind of, as I was looking at those pictures of Lainey and Divine, it, it kind of brought some memories for me. When I was a young little lad, right, I, I started thinking um, about when uh, I was... 10 years old, I had just been in this country um, for about a year and a half. Um, I was originally, I was born in Guatemala, so I moved to the States, and I, I was getting acclimated to, to American culture. And one of the things that, like, was really interesting to me as a little boy was sports. The, the only sport that I knew growing up was soccer, and we called it football. And then I come here, and football is a different sport, and and, and football, you guys call it soccer. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. But there was basketball, and then there was baseball. Now, if, you, if you're a baseball fan, you know this week was a really good week for us, right? 
We, we finally got the contract. Well, we, I, I'm not getting a, a, a penny out of that, but they, they settled their, their finances and all that, and baseball is back on. But I remember I was 10 years old, 1996, living in New York City. And I remember game six, pop up, third base foul side, Charlie Hayes catching that ball for the final out to give the 23rd championship to the New York Yankees. Now, I could care less, but I still remember that because my dad was a huge baseball fan. My dad loved the New York Yankees. He, 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 he grew up watching them. He grew up rooting for them. He played baseball. He was actually, he had a tryout for the Philadelphia Phillies at one point. So, so baseball was in his blood. I didn't know anything about baseball. But seeing the passion in my dad, seeing what he was, what he, who he rooted for, in a sense, a part of who he was, that impacted me. It changed me. Because even at 10 years old, I had no idea anything about baseball or the Yankees. But man, if it's that important to, to, to my dad, it should probably be important to me too. And who he was impacted and changed who I was, who I became. And that's kind of been the tagline of our series, I Am Jesus. As we've walked through the, the seven I Am, uh, as we're walking through the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the gospel, the, the tagline has been, I am changes who I am. And, and as, as, we're walk, as we're walking through the statements, I think Pastor John has done an awesome job of kind of laying the table and, and walking us through those, those statements. And we talked about how Jesus said that he was the bread of life. And last week, how we talked about how he was the light of the world. And today, we're going to continue in his statements, and we're going to be looking at Jesus' statement of, I am the gate. But before we move forward, let's just stop and let's pray. Not for your sake, but for my sake, okay? So if you join me in prayer. Father God, I just, just want to give over these next few moments, God. Uh, allow your word to speak. Father, take away any distractions. Just allow your spirit to be here. Father, allow us to hear. Allow us to, to have hearts and ears that are attentive to your word, what you have to say, what you have to teach, that we would leave this place different because of you, because you've changed us. Father, we give these next few moments over to you. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you guys can turn, uh, begin turning uh, to John chapter 10, whether that's in your Bible or your Bible app. And as you're doing that, um, I kind of want to give you a little background, a little context of what's going on, okay? Uh, so to do that, we're going to have to, again, you're turning to ch uh, chapter 10. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of the context that's happening in John 8 and John 9, all right? So in, in John 8, um, the, Jesus is speaking to uh, uh, two different types of groups, right? Um, he's, got, he's speaking to a group of Jews that, that, are, that are following and believe in Jesus. And in the same moment, he's also speaking to Jews that don't believe in Jesus and aren't following Jesus. And so he's got these two groups, and Jesus makes this statement. In, in John 8, verse 31 and 32, it says, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. Now, now this statement kind of brings up um, kind of a conflict between the Jews towards Jesus. Because they look at Jesus and they go, what do you mean the truth? Like, what do you mean free? Like, like, like we're, we're not in bondage, Jesus. Like, we're not in captivity. Like, what, what do you mean free? Like, we're, we, our father is God. We're, we're descendants of Abraham. What do you mean? And, and Jesus responds to these Jews in verse 42 with, with, with a strong statement. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. You are in fact of your father, the devil. Now, if this is being played out in a movie, this is kind of when the music changes. Like, it's getting a little intense, right? Like, about to get heated. Like, you are of your father. You are correct. Your father, the devil. Like, now it's a tense moment. Like, how dare you, Jesus? Like, how dare you make this statement about us? All of a sudden, you know, got to think about what's going on in the hearts of the Jews, right? God, Jesus is just calling you out. Yeah, yeah, you are of your father, but not Father God, not Father Abraham, your father, the devil, all right? And then you, you go to chapter 9, and in chapter 9, um, Jesus uh, heals a blind man. A man that's, that's been blind since birth. And, and Jesus heals him, and the city goes crazy. The, the city goes, it's an exciting time because they've known this man to be blind since birth, and Jesus has just healed him. These people are so excited, they actually bring the blind, well, he's no longer blind. He, they bring him to, to the Pharisees to let them know, hey, the he has been healed. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of their time. And the Pharisees are a little upset. And they asked this man, You're healed. who healed you? And this man testifies, Jesus Christ. He's the one that healed me. And these Pharisees are upset. They're angry. They're upset not, not just that he was healed, but they're upset at the fact that Jesus Christ himself healed him. They, they're so upset that they actually, it says that they kicked him out. They exiled him from the synagogue, from the community of Jews. That's how angry. They, a man that was blind that was healed is now able to have sight, and they kicked him out. They're that upset, they're that angry at Jesus. So what we see in these two chapters, in chapter 8 and chapter 9, is you see kind of the character of the Jews, that they are angry at this point. That they're a little bit upset that Jesus Christ is doing something to them that they don't like. Which leads us to our passage in John chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, I'm sorry, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Verse 10. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So Jesus says a lot in these 10 verses. So, so let's begin to kind of unpack it. Now, I don't want to brag, okay? But, but this passage kind of comes a little bit easy to me with uh, my, my vast knowledge in, um, in, sheep, in sheep herding and, and out, out, outdoorsmanship uh, that I picked up growing up in New York City, okay? So um, I'll kind of break it down for you, okay? So, so one of the things that you, you need to understand in, in, in this passage is that Jesus begins by comparing kind of a, a physical familiarity with the people with a spiritual reality. Okay, that's what I love about Jesus, because if you read the Gospels, if you read what Jesus says, he pretty much talks in parables, in stories. He's trying to make it relatable. He's taking something that the people understand, would be familiar with, and he uses those stories, he uses those parables to point them to a spiritual point, to point them to a spiritual reality. And this is exactly what he does, right? When he's talking about sheep... This is something that the people would be familiar with, right? Maybe not so much ourselves, but in the New Testament time, sheep were everywhere when Jesus is talking about that, right? If you weren't a shepherd, your brother was probably a shepherd, or you knew of someone that would watch over the flock. So you knew when Jesus talked about sheep, these people understood it. And when we think of sheep, maybe sometimes our mind thinks through this idea that um, they're cute, they're cuddly, um, maybe um, they're, they're soft, right? Uh, that's not kind of the, the image that, that Jesus is painting here for us, all right? Uh, let me tell, tell you a little bit more about what sheep are, okay? Um, instead, sheep are kind of uncreative when it, when it comes to, like, searching for food. Like, like they, will, they will follow paths that, that lead to, to uh, deserts, right, to desolate, desolate places where there's no food, even if there's food nearby. They're, they're, they're not very smart, right? Uh, they're prone. They're, they're given to, to, to wander easily. Uh, they're timid. They're stubborn. Um, they're, they're frightened, easily frightened by, by simple things. They, they're utterly defenseless. They, if left to themselves... They would die because they're helpless. They're directionless. They're weak. 
This is the image that the Bible and Jesus paint of sheep. And we are the sheep. All right? Sorry, no, that's, that's not encouraging at all, right? Like, what are you calling me? I'm calling you a sheep, right? I, I'm not calling you a sheep. Scripture's calling you a sheep, okay? So this is the picture that, that Jesus paints for us, that we are sheep. And so in the first, um, first five verses, it's interesting because coming from what we heard in chapter 8 and chapter 9, what, what Jesus gives us here is a clear picture. The, the, the first thing that you see is that thieves and robbers don't have good intentions. Thieves and robbers do not have good intention. Jesus speaks of thieves and robbers who come to kill to steal and to destroy the sheep. And in the context, it looks like he's talking that, that he's talking about the thieves and robbers being the Pharisees. Being the Pharisees of their time. Now, r- remember what had just happened, right? The Pharisees were not in awe, did not celebrate that a man had gained sight, that a man was healed. Instead of celebrating, they kicked the man out. And they actually accused Jesus. They, they, they called Jesus a sinner and said, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, Jesus, we do not know where he comes from. This is a clear attempt by the, by the Pharisees to, to discredit Jesus. To discredit Jesus and to manipulate or, uh, or um, convince those followers of Jesus to stop following him. That's what the Pharisees are doing. They're the thieves and the robbers that Jesus is talking about. That, that they're trying to discredit Jesus and have people turn away from him. Now, we don't have Pharisees per se in our day and age. But we do have things, people, things that happen in our life that try to discredit Jesus that try to get us to turn our back and quit following Jesus. There's things in our world, there's things in our culture that are trying everything that they can to prevent you from following Jesus. The thieves and the robbers. And when I say that they have no good intentions, they're not there to celebrate healing. They're not there to promote the work that Jesus has for your life. What they're trying to do is discredit Jesus, his work, his healing power in your life. That if something happens, God forbid, they just ridicule. They just laugh at you. They outcast you. And they say, that can't be it. Not only that, but... In those first five verses, we we also see that sheep know their shepherd's voice, right? Jesus says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, kind of another reference to chapter 8 about the followers and the believers of Jesus and those that don't follow and don't believe. And, And knowing the voice of the shepherd changes everything for the sheep, right? Although, again, it's a very humbling comparison to be compared, compared to a sheep. We can discern God's voice, and he can lead us down the path that he wants us to. For those of us that have a relationship with Jesus, 
we can agree that it is a constant fight to discern between the voice of God and Jesus and the voice of strangers, the voice of distraction, the voice of this world, the voice of this culture, the voice of thieves and robbers. Because again, we're like sheep, and I love the song that we sang, you know, prone to wander. Because just like sheep, we're prone to wander away from God from time to time. The things, the people, the culture that we listen to will also lead us. You know, if, if we listen to, to Hollywood, right, we, we're, we're, we'll be tempted to feel ugly and poor. If we, if we listen to the doom and gloom of the news, right, we'll feel like the sky is falling. If we listen to, to culture and live in these temporary fads that will not lead us to anything. Who we listen to matters. I, I love my wife for many different reasons. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I love about her is that... Whenever uh, something is going on in her life that's, that's troubling her, that, that's making her worry, that, that's giving her stress, that, that's taking her away from, from the Lord, taking her away from God, the first thing she does is she goes, goes to God's word, goes to scripture. And, and one of the ways that I know this is I'll walk into the house or I'll wake up and there's post-its all over our house. And the OCD part of me just wishes we had yellow ones or one color, but we don't. <laughs> and so there's blues and pinks and oranges and uh, the whole color of the rainbow. But as I walk through the house, I'll see post-its. I'll see post-its on our entryway, post-its on my, my monitor, the fridge, the kitchen, the mirror, everywhere. And they're posted with scripture verses where she's written out the scripture and the reference and she puts it. And sometimes those are just reminders for herself. Or maybe it's just prayers that she's praying over myself, our family, our girls. Because she realizes if I, if, I, if I don't listen to God's voice in my life, I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to listen to the voices of the world. Who you hear will lead you to a path. Your ear determines who your shepherd is. Now, Jesus speaks this, and just like sometimes we do, we don't understand what he's saying. So, so Jesus kind of doubles down on this, okay? So, so now, now Jesus goes in verse 7 and says, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. So he's doubling down on this now, okay? Thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Gates make a big difference, right? We, we live in a world where when we see gates, there's a reason for it, right? There's gates... Um, it, it, at stadiums before you enter, there's gates at the airport, there's gates in co gated communities, there's gates at farms, right? The, the, there's gates. It makes a difference. It makes a difference from the outside 
and it makes a difference when you're inside. And so Jesus capitalizes on this principle when he gives us this, this framework and he says, the gate for sheep in and out of the pen is a significant passageway. The, the shepherd, the, this picture that he gives us, this illustration, the, the, the passageway, the shepherd guards it and nothing is allowed to go in or out unless he allows it. When Jesus claims to be the gate for the sheep, he is claiming to be the passageway to the Father. When he says, I am the gate, he's saying, I am the passageway in. I am the passageway to the Father. Because, what, because of what he did on the cross allows us the opportunity to enter into the presence of the Father. Because apart from Christ, we couldn't do anything to gain access to the Father. By ourselves, we cannot do anything to gain access. Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross to give us that opportunity to be holy and to be in the presence of a holy Father, of a holy God. And this dramatically changes everything. So Jesus makes a bold statement in these verses, okay? Jesus is the only means of access. There is only one gate to the pen. Anyone who tries to get another way, climbing over the wall, is a thief and a robber. If the sheep are God's people and the pen is the place where we find salvation and protection, then Jesus is the only means of access to that place. Jesus is the gate in the same sense that he will later on, John 14, say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to just mention that let's not downplay what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is making a huge statement when he says that I am the gate. Jesus is the only way to the Father. This has always been the message of the gospel. When Peter and John later on in Acts are standing in front of the Jewish council in Acts 4, this is what Peter says, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Again, I want to make sure we don't downplay it because in our world, this is not a popular statement. This is not a popular truth. But by making this statement, Jesus saying is, he, he, he is stating his exclusivity. He is the only one. There is no other way to get to the Father. But that's not what we hear, is it? We hear so many different things. That, that Jesus is one of many ways, perhaps. Or that maybe if you're just a, a good person, a good enough, if you do enough deeds, if you do enough charitable work, or if you do enough, you might, listen, if there were many ways to get to heaven, then there would be no purpose for Jesus dying on the cross for you. 
If, the, if Jesus was one of many ways, there was no need for Jesus to pay the ultimate price that he did. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he is the only way. I am the gate to the pen. I am the gate to salvation. The gospel is not an option among many. It is the power of God's for salvation to everyone who believes. But the picture of, uh, that Jesus paints here is a secure gate. Um, it also has a second message. And it talks about how Jesus provides security and protection. Because notice what it says, right? It says that the gate provides access, but it is not just designed for, people to, for, for the sheep to stay permanently in. It talks about how the sheep come in and out freely, unafraid. Because the truth is, that really isn't life, is it? To, to, to be penned up, to be in a, in a sheep pen and live there in a little holy huddle, not, not, you know, not you know, fearing for your life outside of the walls. No, Jesus says that they come in and out. And they hear his voice, that he leads them to pastures. John 10 makes it clear that they go in and out of the gate. And so this picture that, that Jesus paints is of the sheep moving in and out freely. You know, suggests so kind of complete security, uh, thriving in a life of freedom, listening to the shepherd, listening to the voice of Jesus. That relationship between Jesus and his sheep, Jesus actually goes a little further in, in verse 11. A little teaser for next week, okay? All right, so be back. All right? But th this true freedom that, that Jesus gives us, it, it, it allows us to go back and forth. It, it allows us to, to, um, to have a relationship with the shepherd to the point where we can be in the pen and out of the pen, and he will lead us to pastures, and he will lead us where the shepherd wants. You know, he, he doesn't take us from this world when we're saved. He doesn't say, once you are saved, I'm going to take you out of this world. No, he wants us to remain in the world and to live a life and live a life in fullness. Because this is what he says in verse 10. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. By the way, this is the third time he's mentioned this, okay? He is adamant that there's people out there, right? That the devil, the thief and robber, right? Come to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. That's what Jesus does. Jesus gives us life and life abundantly. That we may now live a life of freedom, a life full. Again, the different contrast, right? It's not a, a, a life of death and destruction. Jesus brings us life and life abundant. The gate that Jesus paints is salvation. And that life now, that salvation gives us a life that is full, complete, lacking nothing. That's what Jesus gives us. 
But one of the things that I, I, I was reminded while studying this passage is that I, I think a lot of times when we think of eternal life, when we think about salvation, our, our mind automatically goes to, to heaven. Like, man, I, God is saving me, and God is saving me from hell and allowing me to be in heaven, to enter heaven's gates. Yes, that is part of the salvation. But one thing that you have to understand is eternal life doesn't start when you enter heaven. That eternal life starts now. That eternal life starts today. The moment that you are saved, you now have that eternal life. And he says he wants to give you life and life abundantly. And what does that mean? It, it means that our life should look different. Not just to be different, but because he's made a difference in our life that now it's going to outpour. It's going to, be, it's going to let others know how my life has changed. You are all here because someone took the time to invite you, took the time to bring you, took the time to make an impact in your life. And for those of you that are here that are followers of Jesus, someone took the time to share the gospel with you. Someone took the time to present salvation to you. And it made such an impact that you made a personal decision to follow Jesus as well. And so when we talk about that eternal life, it starts now. It means that your life is going to look different. That wherever you go, that life will be abundant. That there's going to be a difference in your life. That people are going to see something. They're going to say, that, that dude's different. That gal's different. What is it about them? And there's a perfect opportunity for you to tell them, he's the difference. It's nothing in me. It's nothing within my own power, but it's his work in my life. So when you overcome something, celebrate it because it's God in you. Let others know. How you live your life with kindness, with your words, with your actions, that speaks volumes to people. That's what life and life abundant looks like. Now, I, as, as, as I started thinking about my experience with Jesus and, and that salvation moment for me, I, I remember being 13 and asking my dad, what, what salvation was. And honestly, I, I, I had been, I've been going to church, but I, I, I didn't really understand it. My dad took the time to share salvation with me. But again, it, it was a constant day in and day out trying to figure out what the Father, what Jesus was wanting for my life. And yes, I had life. I, I received Jesus into my life when I was 13, but it was a process listening to the voice of the shepherd, listening to the voice of Jesus. And I remember being in high school and trying to figure out, like, God, like, what do you, like, you want to do with me? Like, like I, you know, I, 
I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I, I liked math, I didn't like people, and I liked making money. So I was like, uh, let me be an accountant, right? <laughs> like, that's the perfect job right there. Um, and so, like, even as a junior, I'm, like, I'm looking for, like, colleges with, you know, being able to, to, to get a business degree, all of that, because I wanted to, to live the American dream. But I can tell you that if I wasn't listening to God, he, he wouldn't have called me to where I am today. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that God's calling you into ministry, to be a student pastor, to be a pastor. That's not what I'm saying. For some of you, that might be the case. For some of you, that is perhaps what God has for you. But maybe for some of you, it's what does God want to do in your life right now? Where has God placed you in your life right now to lead others to follow? I don't know what that looks like. All I can show you, all I can tell you is there's a voice calling me. It says that he knows his sheep by name. And he calls them out. He's calling you. Are you listening to his voice? But I know for some of you in here, this idea that Jesus is the only way might be a foreign, foreign concept. And, and Jesus says that he is the only way to the Father. And so I would encourage you to maybe make this a personal decision. That today would be the day that you realize that God is calling you. That God wants to give you an opportunity to experience salvation. Romans 6 says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation... In Jesus Christ. One of the things that I remember my dad telling me is a gift is only a gift once you receive it. Jesus paid the price on the cross for your sins, and that gives you an opportunity to receive the gift, but that gift is not yours until you receive it. And so maybe today would be the day that you receive that. That you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. To come into your life. And to forgive you. And accept you and receive you into the family. And for those that are in here that have made that decision. What is that voice calling you out to? What is that voice telling you to go out and do? To live life and life abundant. What does that abundant life look like for you? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here that doesn't know who you are, that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, Father, that today would be the day. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they receive you, that they ask you to come into their life, to forgive them of their sins, and to make you their Lord of their life. 
God, if there's anyone in here that has questions, wants to make that decision, God, that they would look for someone who maybe the person that invited them today or, or, or maybe they would come up to the front and we would have someone, we, we would have people come find me that we would be able to show you from scripture what it is to have a relationship with the Father. God, I pray for, the, for your followers in here that, that, that maybe we're just, we might be listening to the wrong voices. We might be listening to the world and culture and, and following things that will only lead to destruction. Father, help us to listen to your voice to hear your calling, to hear what you want to do in our lives and through our lives. As we cling to you and hear your voice, that you will lead us in paths that you've called us to, to pastures that you've called us to. Father, we love you and we pray this in your name.